Welcome, everyone, to the Sickos Committee Podcast. This is our podcast for the evening of July 30th, 2023. We are officially four weeks away from the college football season, which means that we have to get serious about things. We have to talk about conference realignment and SEC drama. Is Georgia going to win the title this year? These are the things that you follow us for. Because, of course, our first thing in our podcast notes is talking about the CFL, which means we're ready for the fucking season. As always, I'm Jordan. With me tonight, I have Kamish. Permanent squatters, Pit Girl and Beth, and guests Joey and Kevin. Joey, how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. I actually feel a little guilty because, uh, unfortunately, a family member of mine has betrayed the trust of the Sickos Committee and our Bluey fandom because uh, my my brother, who is who is a voice actor, just got the lead role on Paw Patrol. Oh, so okay. unfortunately, he has betrayed us. Case is on the case. That's yeah. He says that now. That's his voice now. Oh, no. Every time you hear on the case, that's my brother's voice. I, every time I'm in the stores, like I went to the dollar store the other day and there was a giant like Paw Patrol display and I just took a picture and texted him. I was like, "Science started today. <laughs> there is a version of Chase. Chase is the police dog, by the way, for the, for the folks that don't know this. And there is Spy Chase. Spy Chase has a fucking drone. Okay. Tell me this show isn't copaganda. It's entirely copaganda. <laughs> it, it's crazy because it's it's all made in Hamilton, Ontario, which is, <laughs> that is a crazy city to have any sort of media. Dog, the other, dogs is cops? Dog, dogs these, is cops. Do, dogs is cops. Okay. It's also funny that someone did a really great, they watched all the episodes because whenever they call the pups to the, to the lookout tower, they call all the pups, but then Ryder only picks two of them to go on to things. And so- they look at which cops, which which pups were always there. And it turns out that Chase, the cop dog, is the one that always gets picked. And Good usually usually Sky, the only girl dog, by the way, in the main cast, uh, who has a helicopter and is super useful. Usually she has to be brought in after Ryder picks the two boy dogs to go do things. Hmm. And then they need help. So Sky comes in. Hmm. Yep. Hmm. Fuck the, the patriarchy. Fuck the dog patriarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Defund Paw Patrol. <laughs> It, it's government funded. It's made by TV Ontario. Oh. So yes, that is a genuine argument. APAB, <laughs> all pups are bastards. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. Little sleep deprived on the World Cup schedule, but otherwise I'm good. Beth, how are you, ma'am? I fucking hate shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like Don't in tell general field that. or... No, home field shirts are wonderful and beautiful and everyone should buy them. So... I am a musician, as most of you know. I have to play in a whole lot of ensembles. Generally, when you play in an ensemble, they give you a uniform. Every single time you get a uniform, it's actually a dude form Because whenever we have to put people in clothing, it's actually dude clothing. It's never girl clothing. So what Preach! I played three gigs today. Every one of them, I was wearing a button-downer polo shirt and khakis. No one looks good in khakis! Gig em. I hate this so much. I don't understand why it's like, well, we have to put you in a nice gender neutral outfit. And by a gender neutral outfit, we mean menswear. Like, yep. it's awful. Listen, I I am still young. I still have a little bit of youth that I am clinging to. And in this one last halcyon summer of my life, I'm being trapped in clothing that makes it look like I was put in a potato sack and shoved down the stairs. I look lumpy and awful and I hate it. Why do I have to do this? This sucks. Other than that, my day was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm now thinking of every time because I, I got better about when I was teaching, just letting kids wear whatever concert black they wanted. But for a while, I definitely got like the band polo and everyone wears khakis. And mm-hmm. 
Yep. I didn't. I didn't know we were going to be talking trash about Harbaugh right away. I mean, that's on the show notes a little bit later. But he wears so many pleats. He he wears <laughs> pleated khakis and okay. Like he look. He makes. He looks like I did going to like homecoming in '99. I think I wore <laughs> khakis, a leather braided belt, and maybe a tucked in polo shirt. Oh God! If you look like you're trying to hide a muffin top in origami, something has gone terribly wrong. There are other choices that you can make. You don't have oh. to do this. No one needs to do this. You didn't have to call me out like that. that was <laughs> unnecessary. There are other ways. There are other things. There are flattering cuts that we can put on every human body. Everyone deserves to look wonderful. No one looks good in khakis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the iconic Harbaugh look is. I mean, on Team Beth, the shirt hater, where he is shirtless and khakis running like a quap man during practice. That one. <laughs> the Like the worst combination. Is it he's wearing a polo shirt and no pants? That's weird, but okay, whatever. No, that's, I think that might be worse. <laughs> it, it's context dependent. Because he wears tidy whities we, We're all agreed on this, right? Yeah. There's no way he no, does it. Long johns. Long johns. The tidiest imaginable. Like this dude, yeah. this is a dude who gets the Hanes 20 pack at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that and that and just like a Michigan polo. I'd be willing to bet that he wears the lucky ones on Ohio State week that are basically just the waistband and a few shreds of fabric. And that yeah, is- I didn't need that mental image. <laughs> and I, I never want to think about Jim Harbaugh ever again now. He definitely wears a cup all the time though, right? Not expect to open tonight with Jim Harbaugh's underwear. Commish looks confused. Commish has not said a word all episode. I I, I did say to defund uh, Paw Patrol, but uh, I I said we're slandering Harbaugh early. I I didn't say that, but yeah, I didn't imagine it would take this turn. It's only slander if it's not true. I'm just imagining, you know, he's he's got the robe, the polo shirt underneath. Then the the underwear or whatever, and he's he's got these really really bad slippers, and he's going outside to get the paper, because he oh, yeah. because 100%. he still subscribes to the the, the paper guaranteed, and he has he's to have that every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I have two questions, and I'm going to ask them both to Kevin because I think he can be the most balanced in this. Kevin, question number one: Can we FOIA this? Question number two: Should we FOIA this? <laughs> FOIA what? What Hardball wears to get his paper in the morning? <laughs> if he buys his underwear on a company card. Matt Brown, oh. please come back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, why are you asking me? You had the insider last week. <laughs> the man is built like a boxy polo, so yeah. <laughs> wear what you know. That, hey, we said there's fits for everyone. Yeah. Big girl, how are you? I am good. I had college friends over and I got to get my dad on despite being female and childless and grill for my friends which was fabulous all people's nice. is dads all people that's right dads dad is a state of mind the two genders are dad and uncle mm-hmm. <laughs> i took down the baby gates today yeah kamesh how are you sir oh uh, i'm good just uh <laughs> just, just chilling literally uh i don't i don't really know what to say here because i mean y'all know but i don't know if i want to tell the podcast <laughs> yeah, i don't know i don't know the, like, i don't know what you like, share. Uh, uh, just like uh, you know some uh you Had know an injury uh, uh, sure whatever injury uh self-inflicted wound commission's so playing hurt tonight i am playing hurt <laughs> uh i am i am icing <laughs> i am not using any frozen vegetables i'll say that no hail uh, to pieces no no hail to to peas or, or drew peas, but uh, nothing like that. Glad you're here. Weekend. 
We're glad you're here. We're glad you're in, yeah. in one piece for the most yeah. part. Oh yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I'll be fine. It's just you know, just a little recovery, about a little bit over forty eight hours from it. So doing good. Just glad to be here, and and can't wait to podcast. <laughs> I, I'd first like to say shout out to our last week's guest, Matt Brown. We were joking that we were going to get him sick. And then he ended up actually getting sick and ended up in the ER. Matt, I hope you feel better. And I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to lick the microphone and get you sick. Sicko's committee. <laughs> it is. It did what it said on the tin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dead bird inside. Do not eat. <laughs> Do not, I don't know what I expected. So our <sighs> first big story tonight is that we have a record that was broken. Four went out for the St. Louis Browns. They were an MLB team. In 53, they managed to lose 20 home games in a row. Another North American professional sports franchise has broken it. The Edmonton Elks have lost 21 straight home games. They got blanked by the BC Lions, and they've lost 21 in a row in their home stadium. This goes back to before COVID. God. Yikes. The Canadian men's national soccer team has won two more games than Edmonton in that time span, in that same stadium. (laughs) Ouch. This is going to sound bad. But I'm a little surprised that Northwestern hasn't done this. So well, this is, doesn't this doesn't count this doesn't count. Um, it's professional, okay. professional yeah. because okay. because because Prairie View A and M actually might hold this because they didn't win a single game for about eight years in a row. Yeah, oh, God. Uh, Teal Teal would be awfully close right now, but yeah. Oof. So yeah, this is professional only. Okay. So the record was was held by the St. Louis Browns, the baseball team, which became the Orioles, I believe. Correct. And then beyond that, the Maverick, Dallas Mavericks lost 19 homes straight in 93-94. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins lost 14 homes straight from 03 to 04. The Cowboys lost yep. 14, 88-89. And the St. Louis Rams lost 14 homes straight from 8-10. to 10. If you're ever asking yourself, how do you get Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Andre and Marc-Andre Fleury, the answer is that. <laughs> yes, well, and you almost moved to Oklahoma City first. Yeah, but... I don't want to talk about that. And Hamilton. <laughs> So, so that's the thing. If you if you look down this list, St. Louis after 08-08-10 didn't do great, but Dallas after those seasons did very very well. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh after those seasons, like you said, rebuilt very fast. Mario Lemieux was a big part of that because mm-hmm. he saw them losing like that. It was like I don't care. I'm old and retired. I need to be on the ice now. Yep. And ended up rejuvenating hockey in Pittsburgh, which, and they're still there and a very good team. Uh, the Mavericks, I believe, got really good really fast after that after the, that year. Ish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the Browns uh moved to Baltimore and became and became good. That's not coming for the Elks. There is no hope right now. And it's not like the CFL draft is a wealth of talent. And the thing is, they're not really supposed to be this bad. They were projected last in the West at the start of the year. But I've me- I mentioned this on the CFL episode. The CFL West usually puts four teams above the number one CFL East team. This is unprecedented for a CFL West team to be this bad for this long. I hope they turn around because good God, no one deserves to watch their team do this for four years. So they, I really want them to be good because they have the coolest logo in the league now. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's an excellent Their logo. logo looks exactly like Max the dog from How the Grinch Stole Christmas and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely yeah, right. That's correct. <laughs> No, I, I do. I'm I'm glad they have a bye week. So they have a bye week after this. After they set this record, they have a bye week. Maybe, 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 maybe 
They'll make some changes. I don't know what type of changes they're going to do. Their, their coach at the time is four and 23. I don't know what type of ownership, leadership, general manager. Do they call them general managers in the CFL? Yes. Okay, just making sure. I didn't know if it was like general manager with like a U in there somehow. Uh, I'm but, sure I'm sure Montreal calls them something different. Oh, Guarantee. Their defense looked fine last night watching the game. It, it was just their offense just could not stop going to and out or turning the ball over. And it was just, I just feel like the defense just got tired, which which will happen. It's going to be difficult for them to make wholesale changes that fast because they don't, I mean, they they have Packers ownership. They're community owned. Mm. It's going to be hard to make any sort of changes like that. They do get Winnipeg at home the next game, Ugh. which yikes. Winnipeg is good, but they've stumbled the last like little bit. Um, they lost to Ottawa, which nobody should lose to Ottawa. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they're they're but they're coming off. Uh, I think they play BC this week, so they, they might be play, banged up. From they that. just play BC. Yeah, yeah, BC. BC. No, no, no. Winnipeg. Winnipeg plays BC oh, gotcha. this week. Oh, okay. And then they get Edmonton after Edmonton's bye week. I just dropped their coach. By the way, is Chris Jones. I just dropped his CV in the chat. He has been all over the place. He graduated, played college football at UT Chattanooga. What? Go Mox. He's from South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Hmm? With an H or no H? No H. No H. Yeah. It's like Pittsburgh, but South. <laughs> he has also won the Grey Cup four times as a coach, including once in Edmonton. Instant wow. one. So we will see what happens there. We hope for a turnaround for Edmonton. He was at Edmonton. He went to the Rough Riders. Then he went to the Browns. Oh, there it is. There oh, it shit. Is. Oh. That's what yeah. happened. Yeah. Should have never yeah. gone to the Browns. He went to the Browns. He was a defensive and then, assistant coach. And then he and played, then, then he was the head coach at his high school. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like we can blame this losing streak on the Browns because, hey, guess what? The St. Louis Browns are on this list, right? All ties together. It was a 6 and 10 Browns team. And don't add us about how it's not the same Browns franchise. If you've followed Cleveland sports, you know all Browns franchises are that Browns franchise, including the St. Louis Browns. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the one thing we need to talk about in terms of college football is, is the Pac-12 dead? Colorado to the Big 12. <laughs> Breaking news. Insert Nico Rosberg pointing at the camera. I think Kamish said it best when I, he said, I think that all we want is just for everything to stabilize because we don't want the Pac-12 schools to get hosed here. Guys, I don't think you, I don't think, well, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, our listeners know this, and I think that our readers know this too. We love the Pac-12. Yeah. We don't want them to vaporize. Mm -mm. We want them to be strong because having West Coast football is one, a lot of fun. Two, that's where quarterbacks go to have, you know, enjoy their lives. We need that place. And three, it's legitimately fun football and everyone can sit here and like thumb their noses at it. But I, again, I don't think people realize that we are only... 20 years out from like USC's heyday. We are 10 to 15 years out from Oregon's heyday. Wasn't that long ago that the Pac-12 was this big thing. And it just so happens that we've had this shift now, but we don't want this to evaporate. We don't want this to end up being a place where these teams don't have a home. Well, particularly because point four, I would argue, is that if the Pac-12 dies, there is an argument to be made that that is the beginning of the end of college football as like a national sport, right? right? That's not something that we want, as several of us are residents of areas where college football is not the biggest sport to begin with. I think it is important that college football remain relevant nationally, and the Pac-12 going away does not help that, as someone who lives in the Northeast, where that's like 
already not as much of a going concern as it is in other areas where folks on this podcast live. I, I'm just going to say this. I, I really just want everything, as I said on, on the, the Twitter account, I was like, let me take, I don't want the conference to die. I don't want it to die. It's been around over a hundred years in the, yeah, the previous form, form yeah. the Pacific Coast Conference before they got all that craziness that happened in, in the 50s and 60s when, when like four or five programs got put on probation. <laughs> and so they had to disband and reform into the Pac-12. Yes, we need this. The Pac-12 is in the fabric of college football. It, it needs to be around. I don't care if it's the Pac-8. I don't care whatever form it takes, whatever school they need to take to survive. I know there was like a bunch that applied, like Tulane, SMU. Who else? Like Memphis? Did they apply? Uh, South Florida? Did I see South Florida too? Yes. So from Tampa to Tempe, love it. Really? I mean, give me Seattle to Tampa. What a flight. You know, that's some good old crappy NFC football too. So (laughs) back in the day, you know, Seattle's fine. Tampa, I don't know what they're going to be without whatever that guy that just left that that famous quarterback dude uh but really the strawberry guy yeah that guy i think he went to michigan i'm not sure but um you know it's okay they got blaine garrett still they're all right uh yeah they're fine so uh, Tampa. you know <laughs> no but really it's it, it's we're the sickos committee it's very tough when stuff like this happens there's a lot of things that are out of our control and we we don't control this and, and that's why i kind of made the very bad you know master and commander meme that popped in my head but it's just like you know the, the tv deals are now the new football fields and it kind of really feels like that you can't get your conference enough money if you don't have enough markets and it's just eh, it just feels so hollow at this point and i know the big 12 will be fine colorado going to the big 12 i mean but that's crazy think about what you just said the big 12 will be fine yeah. like four five years ago no. that was an unthinkable statement yeah. well it, a year ago 10 honestly, years ago honestly 10 minutes from now it could be an unthinkable statement. Yeah. Something could happen. Like, yeah that this is so this is a thing that comes up as as an acc acc person also where everybody's like oh the big 12 is fine and the acc is in danger and it's like okay the big 12 has more money now but like you look at who's there didn't mm? you guys all sign this like weird suicide pact where you yes. had to give up like 40 million dollars if you left that was yes like and yeah uh-huh. yeah, yeah and the the grant of rights doesn't come up until like 2035 so like florida state is locked in here with us forever it also wasn't that <laughs> all long of which ago. was in response to maryland was it not it's like, correct. Yes. i mean but honestly like look at inflation money isn't real nothing is real no. none of this is ever no. like there's no amount where somebody's like well now you can never leave guess what somebody's always left whenever there is like the amount of money where oh you can never leave it's not how this works a big part of me wants to just be like the angry dad in the room and be like could you all just sit still yes. for like one goddamn just minute give me give me three years nobody fucking moving anymore after this settles out three years nobody fucking move all right yeah. just give me three right. that's all i ask for yeah, like my election platform here is like, y'all just sit your ass. Sit your ass down <laughs> and, and stay okay, in the Okay, but conference. what if we reject the Big East? Ah! <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Reject modernity, return to Big East. And on the subject of the Big 12, like, it was like last year, maybe the year before, yeah. where the American thought they were going to raid the Big 12. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. things, like, we could be talking next year and be like, 
Yeah, the ACC, they're taking over the Big Ten. The Big Ten's in trouble. And uh, then I don't know about that. And and then we get to this thing of like, Stranger oh, Colorado is a big get for the Big Twelve. We've all watched Colorado sports the last couple years, right? Yeah, I know. I, that's just I'm, that's I'm not, media lying I'm not, to us. I'm not fucking like imagining things. I, I know that they think like, okay, well, there's potential here. Well, the Pac-12 thought Colorado had potential as well. They had one winning season in the Pac-12, I believe. And then last year they would have the- taken a one-win season. Yes. Yeah. This kind of has the same energy as being like, oh my God, Rutgers is leaving. Like, <laughs> no, no. okay. That- Not Rutgers. But Colorado. Rutgers has the New York market. Col- Come on. Colorado went to National Championship this one time. In skiing, yes. Before several people on this podcast were born. I was alive for the Buffs National Championship. Same. same I count yes. three, I think. They have, you know, they have a very good cross country team. Uh, their trumpet ensemble is very good. That'll move the needle. The trumpet there ensemble. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I think so. Wait, does the Big Twelve even sponsor trumpet ensemble? It's ruined. Now Texas does. They're very good at that. Although Texas got SAC school now. See, can't fucking yeah. tell anymore. I hate this. Just, I hate just sit all still. Of this. Everybody, stop moving. Stop. Well, so, stop it. So Kevin and I, Kevin and I are working on. We've going back and forth. We're talking about a stability metric for conferences. And in doing this, I I realized that. Did you guys know that Idaho and Montana were part of the Pacific Coast whatever conference back in the day? I, I mean, I, I did do that on Substack, so yes. Yes. Okay. It's, it's been... <laughs> Look, man, I read a lot of shit, okay? okay well, I, I mean, I write a lot of crap, so I mean... So, subscribe to our Substack. It's great. It's a lot of crap. Lot of crap. I, don't, I don't have object permanence. We have a Substack? <laughs> we do. We do. But like, But like, that's... These teams floated in and out of this thing for so long. This, you know, Arizona, Arizona State were not part of the Pacific Coast Conference until noted coastal state, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say Arizona State was a whack team, were they not? No, they were a border conference team, baby. Yeah. Who knows how this is all gonna gonna shake out? But I think that we can all come up with some good off the cuff solutions to help the Pac-12 survive. Definitely. I have one. Go for it. Hawaii to the Pac-12. I love it. Yes. Pac-12 after darkest. Well. Super dark, yes. The yeah. darkest. And they come with their own media deal. They do. Put, put Hawaii, or put the Pac-12 all on that, what is it? Team on Spectrum. Team, uh, no, spect, uh, Spectrum Hawaii, it, whatever it is. Spectrum on the, the island, Team One yeah. Sports app, where you can only watch it on your phone. It's better than the fridge, right? The new media rights deal. Pac-12 is going Oops, all Periscope. I did love that half season of Hawaii football where they lost their media deal and we watched through Periscope. Pac-12 media deal on Vine exclusively. Sorry. In oh six second chunks. Six second increments. Just needs, you know, just needs to get done. And I think we're just going back to Colorado. In my head, they probably shouldn't have never left the Big 12. Um, yeah. So them going back, I feel like they're acknowledging they made a mistake. I mean, we had that magic season with Cepho LaFowl, the Pac-12 South winning Colorado Buffaloes, where they lost to, I believe, what, Washington in the Pac-12 like title game. Yeah. yeah, they didn't win it. And then that's why that's where Washington wound up going to the, the playoff and, and, and had to f- have fun how, with Alabama. How was that? Had, they had fun with Alabama. They scored. Uh, they and, scored it, and it was fine and they won forever. Amen. I mean, they only lost 24 to 7. I mean, it feels like a natural thing. I, I have this weird scenario here where the, you know, the Pac-12 kind of raids some of the Mountain West. And then ideally, UTEP and New Mexico State gets into the Mountain West. Instead of being in competition, where they probably should be in the first place, I really yeah. feel like that's where they should be, and the Mountain West is just too uppity to take them. But if they get raided by the Pac-12, which they could, I'm sure that may or may not make folks happy. Like let's say, let's say UNLV, San Diego State, and uh, then give me what 
What other? No, just those point? two. All you need is those two. Boise. Eleven's fine. Fre- I'm gonna say Fresno. Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay. Well, you can give them Hawaii. So give them Hawaii. Uh, give them San Diego State, and give them UNLV. That's the Pac-12 now, or is that is that math right? They're at nine. Yeah, that's, that that's right. It's, Twelve. It, okay. It's the Pac sum. And then the Mountain West. This, they're the they're the ones who are interested in staying accurate, so they will change their name to however many they teams do that. are. They they I like that about the Pac-12. They will change their name to match their number, unlike these other fucking conferences here. Yeah, there's a lizard part of my brain that's still like, it's the Pac-10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it should be the Pac-10. But you, you mentioned a convention that, like, the, the, the prevailing wisdom on social media is that it's not going to be a full merger. It's going to be like, the Pac-12 is going to raid the Mountain West, and they're going to, because... I think the prevailing thought is, yeah, the Pac-12 is weak, but the brand of the Pac-12 itself is still going to be able to draw in some of these teams like a Boise or like a like a UNLV to, to make the switch. But I think we're not going far enough here because sure, like a complete merger with the, with the Mountain West is off the table right now, at least not until more schools leave. But you could just straight up declare war and merge with, the, with Canada West. You got University of Alberta, you got UBC. You got the Calgary Dinos. Oh yeah, I would love the Calgary Dinos to be in the pack. That'd be some. Are you missing your your double brown Buffaloes team? We got the Manitoba Bison. Oh, with the the Bison with the glasses and like the the cane. Yes, yes. the very would, uh, would the potential theoretical new Pac-12 media deal, whenever it does come through, provide enough money to revive the Simon Fraser program? I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe. I forget who one of one of you posted about Simon Fraser joining the Pac-12. I did. It, okay. So many, like I did not expect that many conspiracy theories to be in the replies. Oh, all yeah, all of a sudden it was like like the Simon Fraser conspiracy iceberg goes way down. I mean, yeah, it, it was great. it was crazy. I didn't know that, that that would happen. When we tweet something, we 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 uncover things that we didn't realize are there. We tweet stuff now, which is it's. I learned fun. so much. We learned so much. They're like, no, they can't do this. They can't. It's they can only go D one in certain sports. There's just arguments back and forth. One proposal I have here, right? They're at nine teams right now. Notre Dame to the Pac-10 hey. to save college football. The Fighting Irish <laughs> join the Pac-10. That. God, we get so righteous about that. I'm already upset. <laughs> the ACC will fight you. <laughs> I forgot about Notre Dame saved college football. Remember that God. from 2020? Mm-hmm. Oh, Notre Dame, yeah. our <laughs> touchdown Jesus, saves the Pac-12. <gasps> Can we not? <laughs> absolutely have to okay we, as we i was as i was searching the and uh, they get notre dame's tv deal we did it we fixed it guys pac-12 on Pac-12 NBC, nbc exclusively we get to listen to mike tarico and and was it jace collingsworth oh god jack jack, jack. Right, is jack collingsworth what is the other like commentator was it was it brock osweiler's jason, pac-12 doesn't jason garrett do those games too oh, yes perfect yeah. yeah, honestly, Mike Tarico is the least objectionable of all of those. It's just that I I hate the, like, Drew because Brees it's the Notre Dame point, channel, it's, it's I not hate the a... Notre Dame creating. It doesn't matter who's doing it. It's just it's uh, there. Yeah. Notre On the Dame plus side, like we might get to send we might be able to like send Golik to Hawaii a lot. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, that yeah nice. I would be okay with that. Mike Golick would really appreciate that. Golick Jr. would love mm-hmm. it. My uh, commission kind of preempted this a little bit, but my proposal for filling in the Pac-12 here. Pac-12 is kind of famous for some very, very scenic stadiums. You've got Husky Stadium, which is absolutely stunning. Uh, Utah Stadium is gorgeous. And then they've lost a few of those recently with uh, Colorado has a 
very beautiful stadium. The Rose Bowl is no longer going to be in the Pac-12. So I think we need to get another classic old bowl stadium that's absolutely gorgeous and bring the Sun Bowl to the Pac-12 and just bump UTEP all the way up. Like so, a, with New Mexico State, let's get them both get at the both. same time. Yeah, they need a travel buddy. Package deal. I just, re- I just realized, Kevin, you made me realize that we're going to get to see Rutgers at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Rutgers in Maryland get to go to the Rose Bowl. Which Big Ten teams have never made an actual Rose Bowl? Well, I mean, Mar- which Big Maryland Ten teams and- will be playing their first Maryland and Rutgers, game in right? the Rose Bowl? Maryland Rutgers for sure. Well, it's possible that Rutgers and Maryland like made the Rose Bowl back in the day. No, before there's no, Rutgers, there's no. no goddamn way Rutgers. Rutgers is no goddamn way. But I'm just saying, like Pitt has been to a couple of Rose Bowls, right? So, maybe like, Maryland. it's a thing that people go to sometimes when they're not in the Big Ten. Nebraska is going Maryland to the Rose not, Bowl. Maryland has not made a Rose Bowl. Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska played in a national championship BCS game that was the Rose Bowl in 02. Yeah, but that doesn't count. No, but that, like it was, but it was the Rose Bowl. I know, but it still doesn't count. They got blown out by Larry Coker. Uh, Did you Miami? Yes. Rutgers has been to a shocking number of like big name, go- big name bowl games, actually, but not the Rose Bowl. 1952 Rutgers went to the Sugar Bowl. Wait, I'm uh, sorry, that's it, Maryland. That's Maryland. I can't read. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I can't read. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Rutgers on Bourbon Street. Woo! Yeah, no. 1952 Maryland went to the Sugar Bowl. And Rutgers, Cypress Orange Bowl. Rutgers Bowl games have been the 78 Garden State Bowl, Insight Bowl, Texas Bowl, International Bowl, PapaJohns.com Bowl, St. Petersburg Bowl, Pinstripe, Russell Athletic, Pinstripe, Quick Lane, and Gator Bowl. Guys, yeah. I, I think Again, I, I, think I, I figured out the... I can't read. <laughs> I think I, fi- I figured out the key to everything here because I found a line on the uh, Rose Bowl game Wikipedia page. Cur- it's obviously out of date. Current Big Ten teams who have not represented the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl are Maryland, Nebraska, and Rutgers. That answers that. And here's this line. The only current Pac-12 teams that have not represented the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl are Arizona. Colorado and Arizona. <laughs> Wait, guys! Are, I think when I figured did Arizona it out. State go to the Rose Bowl? Uh, oh, se- several several times. times. They won the pack. They won the pack when they were after. Uh, Jake Plummer, right? Didn't they lose the Rose Bowl to Ohio State in like '97? '97, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, that right. was good. Yeah, good draw. Cool. So yeah, '87, '97, they went to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so I was two. two, the, two most so. recent schools, the two most recent schools who are apparently trying to leave Arizona and Colorado, the only two in the Pac-12 who never made the Rose Bowl. I think we found it, guys. Okay. I think we cracked the code. They've got Rose Bowl envy, and they did not get a chance to have Keith Jackson go, whoa, Nelly, and the granddaddy of them all. And that's why they want to leave. As we go on past this, I did want to shout out, I put up some power rankings, some literal power rankings of university nuclear reactors. And a lot of people got their fucking feelings hurt yet again. <laughs> and I had people calling for, well, you need to make a list of particle accelerators. Well, you need to make a list of magnets. And it was wonderful. It's impossible to post. Shout out to Mizzou, who has a 10 megawatt nuclear reactor, the largest in the country. Oh These are all used for like research and creating like isotopes for uh, medical use. Second place is MIT with a six megawatt. UC Davis has a 2.3. University of Rhode Island has a two megawatt. And Kansas State has a 1.25 megawatt in Manhattan, Kansas. The literal Manhattan Project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the the big half of the bird puppet gets one megawatt, and then the little half of the bird puppet only gets a quarter of a megawatt. They're going to come after us. We can't call it a bird puppet. It's okay. The We, we already talked about Reed College having one, which, again, weird. But A&M has a one megawatt reactor and then a five watt reactor. 
All I heard was Jordan said, read college to the Pac-12. Is the five watt reactor, like, that's a light bulb. <laughs> just, just... And that's what everyone was saying about uh, Idaho State. Idaho State, by the way, their science and engineering department was up in our mentions a lot, being like, check out our cool reactor. Thanks for shouting us out. That's sweet. I like that. There you go. Yeah. Go Bengals, you know, do your thing. Hey, I, I bet you when you're, I bet you, I bet you when you're there, you can get a tour of the reactor. Okay, sure. Can't wait until Kamish comes back and is like lightly glowing. Wait. It's a, it's a, they have a five watt reactor. I don't think it's going to do anything. These goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, again, I love posting things that are very real. Like this is entirely a true, a true thing, but just gets people angry. Idaho State's university's reactor, uh, the moderator in the core consists of polyethylene and polystyrene. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that is styrofoam. Uh, I think so. Sure. I don't... At least one of those words I've heard used to use styrofoam. Yeah, it's basically styrofoam. Yeah. I've, I've never seen so many Missouri fans like be this excited about our account before. Oh, they were so excited. They were so hyped that they were number one. And I mean, I think they were throwing facts at us. They were just like, well, the, the most, the strongest uh, research reactor could be is 10 megawatts and we're at the limit. So nobody can beat us. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like my God, yes, Missouri. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm like, thank you so much, Mizzou. Just, just incredible. I love it. I love the school pride that you just throw. Let's do some actual literal power rankings i do need to apologize that the list i pulled of powered down reactors was incomplete because once i posted that everyone was like well, well you didn't know that fucking like middle tennessee had a 40 i don't know they had one in 1989 how dare you that's how they be- built the jello shot machine <laughs> <laughs> they took the uranium core out of the old reactor and put it right into the jello shot that's machine right. hey guys watch this as i take a jello shot while playing with the demon core <laughs> just me and a screwdriver the more I hear about the Demon Core experiments, where the dude is just like, "I'm not, I'm not going to use wedges. I'm just going to use a screwdriver to keep these two halves to, of this giant plutonium core." From he, he did it as a party trick. He brought people into the room, so I went, "Guys, guys, watch this." Hold my beer. Uh, no, literally, my- it was literally that <laughs> until they all died of radiation poisoning. Oh. So, which conference is that? <laughs> is that the the new whack? Uh, whatever. That's the United Conference, sir. Right, United. The, the United UAC. United which we'll have a UAC. preview eventually for that. A couple more things. First off, Big Ten Media's days, they did serve, quote, pre-wrapped cheeseburgers, which feels like a shot at Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Why I are think, they called pre-wrapped? Like, what oh, possible... Gas station cheeseburgers. Straight, cash, homie. The idea that you put that on the thing, on the little, ta- the little like, food tag, like, Oh, this is, you know, a burger and a brioche bun. Nope, this is a pre-wrapped cheeseburger. I don't know. They called it what the what the uh, uh, delivery company called it. They just, they just kept it on there. Well, we did see today that whatever they're serving at the big house, it's like Sam's Club chicken tenders and mac and cheese and the saddest hot dog I've ever seen. So I don't know what they're doing in Michigan, but the food is not great. Extremely big 10. As, as friend of the show, Lucy put it, boy dinner. Yeah, it's, it's very. I, I'm just gonna say that this is this is definitely Sodexo horrible catering. This is not on, mm-hmm. not on the school. Well, it's on the school for hiring them. But really, I mean, are we talking about the recruit meal? I guess that we yeah. saw. Yeah, I, it's a recruit. Like, I mean, he's not gonna go there and get something fancy. Chicken tenders and a hot dog is perfect for like a 16 year old recruit, as you said. Boy dinner. 
I'm sure there was other stuff there. Okay. Here's the thing though. It was, it was known. And I think this is a common thing at a lot of colleges that catering tried harder on like prescribed per, per prospective students day at Pitt. Yep. And this is what the football catering is doing on prospective students day. Well, yeah, it's fancy. I mean, if you think about it, all cheeseburgers are already pre-wrapped. They're just wrapped in bread. We double wrapped them. These are like twice baked cheeseburgers. <laughs> They're steamed because we accidentally let too much moisture get in before we wrap them. Yeah. It'll be so soggy. That bun is just gummy. It's a cheeseburger <laughs> that's been marinated in its own. Ugh. Hire us for your marketing solutions. Other Sickos Committee news. We may have a lead on the Sacred Cod Trophy. If you remember, the Sacred Cod Trophy was the three-way trophy between Boston College, Boston University, and the College of the Holy Cross. We sent a message to their athletics people, and someone wrote back saying they are a BU alum in addition to being a Holy Cross football SID. And they went back in the office till Monday, but they're going to dig into it and let us know. So I replied back to that email. I said, let us know if you find it. And then also, could you please weigh it? Because we have a spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) And we need to update the spreadsheet. So... Uh, oh, I haven't touched that one in so long. So we need to update need to those update those weights. That. Yes, we got to gotta update those weights. And then, you know, just maybe make a graphic of all the weights eventually. It was just fun that they were excited that we emailed them about this. They're like, what a find. They, they said it was even cooler because, you know, went to one school and it was the other. It, I didn't have the heart to tell her that BU never won it. Don't tell uh, her that. So <laughs> I didn't want to let her know that while she's hunting. Okay, <laughs> I didn't tell her that. So, uh, but... I will, I will say when when you told us you got this email, I literally was hooting and hollering in my chair. I was mm-hmm. so excited. Yeah, it. I, I'm I'm gonna start doing this more often now. Uh, yes. You know, Matt Brown has inspired us. Like, let's just ask. The worst thing that can happen is 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 essentially they don't reply to the email or they just put us in their spam folder, which we wouldn't know either way. And the best thing that can yeah. happen is they could locate a, a trophy that's been missing since 1961. Yeah, and the worst case scenario is, in fact, being ignored. Because if they do something, they send us a cease and desist letter. We're framing that. Yeah, I mean, oh, that is true. If they yeah. stop emailing us about this crazy trophy, we're not looking for it. Uh, uh, oh, you know. heck yeah. We'll print that out and put it on the fridge. We'll sell it as a sticker. <laughs> right next to the Pac-12 network. Right. Yeah. We all live in a share house together. In our, in is... our company break room. In Shreveport, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Uh, yes. <laughs> did you guys see Holgo in the Noggin Boss hat? Yes. yes. Holgo in the, yes. On the giant hat. <laughs> That's got to be how he shows up to whatever casino. I said Bozier City, and someone was like, well, that's not the closest casino to Houston. He wouldn't go that far. He's going to Lake Charles. Okay, fine. Is there a place there where he can gamble on a boat? Lake Charles. Yeah, there you go. Okay. okay. Lake Charles is the best Well, choice. there's – it's like a um, – it's not like a boat, but it's it's in the water. So I don't think – let, so, let me just go over this weird Louisiana law real gambling. quick. But I'll, I'll just say this. So weird Louisiana law when they voted for casinos in the state, and I believe the governor at the time was the infamous uh, Edwin Edwards, the deal that the company made, Harris made with New Orleans and Louisiana and the governors, like they were gonna be the only land-based casino in the state of Louisiana. Many of the casinos had to get inventive to join the casino ranks inside the state. There was a lot of riverboat casinos where they never left the dock. And then Harris complained. Uh, it was like, hey, they need to leave the dock. So basically what they would do is they would just like detach from the dock for like 20 minutes and then hook right back up from the dock to get around this law, which is, is classic Louisiana corruption. So in, in Lake Charles, it's not technically on land. 
I believe. It's on like pillars inside the water. So it's not a, I don't think it's a boat there, but it's not necessarily on land because of that weird law. You are asking me to try to conceive of a reality where Dana Holgerson can tell me the difference between a boat and a thing that is on the water. He's going to commandeer that thing. He can't do that. Let me have the steering wheel. Let me go. I'm the captain now. Look at me. The only reason I found this is because apparently somebody followed Coach Holgerson on Twitter. And he retweeted this from Houston Athletics. <laughs> so I had no idea who why who is following so much stuff. We're up to like five hundred some odd five hundred and fifty followers know. now. It's ridiculous. It's probably I get real loose. You can see the follow. <laughs> like follow this, follow that. Hey, that's why that's why we follow. I, I got okay. First off, I gotta say it before they yell at me. Shout out to my favorite Faroe Islands soccer team, Klaxvik. Uh, uh, Klaxvik. They managed to beat the Hungarian champions at in Hungary. They just drew the, was it the, no, the Swedish champions. Yeah. And on the Faroe Islands, it's great. They're doing great. They follow us now. They don't quite understand what we're about, but I'm teaching them. Do we? No. I, I, I know what they're about. So shout out to them. They were my, they were, I think I've said it before. They were my first like COVID team when I was like dying for sports and the Faroe Islands yeah. soccer league came back. You were already a fan of them, which is which is amazing. Yeah, and now, oh yeah, now now I'm just proud of them. So shout out to the. To I am going to post in in the chat the name of the team they defeated from Hungary, and I would like uh, all of us, starting with Jordan, to take a stab at it. Oh God! Oh, I got this. Oh, it's it's like Ferenc Kavros, something like that. I don't know for what it's worth. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> he just set us up I, to say stuff. I. I think Beth knows is why I put it in there. Kavosi or something. I don't know. Sorry, Beth. Ferencroji. <laughs> See? And that's the correct answer. Sorry, Beth got it right. If you try hard and believe in yourself, everything is pronounced the way Pennsylvanians would pronounce it. Mm-hmm. It's like Ferencvaroshi. Sure. I'm, I'm just proud of you for hitting Klaxvik. So, Ferencvarosi. Iowa to the Rose Bowl. Hey, yo. Okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> And other weird things that we found this week. We found a game called the Bean Bowl that was played in was Scotts Bluff, Nebraska at a high school stadium. And the only the, the interesting thing about this, it was played twice. It was not an official bowl game. Idaho State did play, play in this. And then there were no hot dogs served to this game, just bean soup. I'm going to say something that's, that's probably a little bit uh, TMI here, but uh, I don't know if you want to cut or not. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> while what was going on for me Friday... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was asked like, "Oh, this my... was Friday that we were beans posting, well, wasn't it?" Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Wow. Join our Discord wow. for bean posting. That's right. They, there was a lot of bean references. It was it was crazy. The North Texas mean green beans. Sorry, Casey. Well, I was uh, yeah. Uh, while I, while that was going on, there was a conversation being struck up with the the person performing that, and they wanted to know what I did for a living. But you know, my normal job is is it's boring. It came across that I had to discuss the uh, committee and, you know, started to talk about certain teams. And uh, just the night before this occurring, uh, we started to talk about the Bean Bowl. Uh, so this was the topic of conversation that I had during the, the procedure. So, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. I found out the night before that apparently there were some FCS teams that have had won bowl games, and I was very curious. The Reddit FCS account indicated that Idaho State had won two bowl games. I was like, what bowl games? 
Yeah, they won. I'd never heard of this. And then I stumbled across the 1949 Bean Bowl. And then I started to pull at the thread of the Bean Bowl. Of course, our, our favorite Twitter account, uh, I believe it's, uh, what is it? Football, archaeology, and quirky research. We're on, we're on this one, on the Bean Bowl. Basically, it was the Idaho State versus the, I don't even know how to say it yet, but it's like Chaudron State or something Cadron, like that. Cadron Strait, I think. I don't, I, I don't know how to say it. But they they lost to the Idaho State Bengals by the score of 20-2. to two. I mean, it's even a sicko score. They beat them up. It was a crowd of like 3,500, a game for the Kiwanis Youth Camp benefit. The program, amazing. I can only think of that, that old meme about that, that old gentleman, you know, think about those beans. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can think about. And then the, I think, I think it was the football archaeology stated that there was no hot dogs served at the Bean Bowl game. Bean soup, not hot dogs, will be the featured snack at the Thanksgiving football game here Thursday between Idaho State and whatever, Chaudron, Chaudron. I'm saying it wrong. Uh, I, so I think I found okay. it. I think it, it's, uh, it's Chaudron. Chaudron, okay. Close. State of Nebraska. Sorry, sorry, Chaudron. Chaudron, okay. I, I want to apologize to the state of Nebraska because I went and Googled your state thinking, like, why would you put a bean thing in Nebraska? Because in my, like, very Pennsylvania brain, beans are very much a Southwest kind of a thing, not realizing that Nebraska is the number one producer of dry beans in the United States and is, in fact, the number one producer of great northern beans and the number two producer of both pintos and light red kidney beans. So I'm very sorry, Nebraska. I did not realize how much you are about that bean life. About it. I mean, the, so Nebraska you're telling me that Nebraska's mascot should consider... It, they should be like the bean, the bean, the bean soaker. The yeah. Bean soakers. Okay. I, I need to say that the email for the Nebraska dry, dry bean commission from Scott. Oh, you're also, are. you're also on this website. I see the email, compliance the email, at beans.org. The email is dry edible beans at Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Please make that the podcast. title. <laughs> going to have to. going to have to. Dry edible beans at what? At Please direct all inquiries to dry edible beans. Just, we're just going to put somebody's email address as the podcast title? Okay. I don't think I can do that. I don't, I don't, do that. I don't want to fuck up their, their email account. Yeah, everybody's going to email. Hey, man, what's, what's up with all these beans? I'm probably going to, I'll have to bleep out whatever the last part of this is. Like, hey, guys, remember that time we got banned from the state of Nebraska? We're totally banned from Nebraska. Second time? Second time. I feel like the person who's manning that email account would just be delighted to get an email. Maybe. Like, can we just tell me, are you a producer on? or are you a consumer of beans? Like, the last thing I want to mention for this week before we get into our second half is that someone posted highlights from Super Bowl 27 at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And we found a picture of Jack Nicholson wearing a pit hat, like an old script pit hat. And this is commission- actually a picture of me, to be clear. This is me. I mean, this is this should be your new It's drill. a very this nice is, hat. This is your drill avatar. Like, you got to become dr- pit drill. <laughs> pit drill. <laughs> Your pit drill now. Somebody, yeah, you create an account. You say that like Spilly and pit basketball shouting don't already exist. <laughs> I want to put this up against the like Leonardo DiCaprio in a West Virginia hat pictures. So it's another way in which we're spiritually really the same when it comes right down to it. So Kamish, tell tell us what why this why we think this exists. Okay, so there's a couple of different things. First, how I discovered this, which was ridiculous on its own. So it, it's like. 11 something at night i'm having difficulty sleeping uh so i am just on the twitter account and apparently we follow somebody by the name of old time football and old time football puts the highlights of super bowl 
27. Uh, so Super Bowl 27 XXVII at the Rose Bowl. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. This is when the Cowboys, like, just, just you know, beat the crap out of the Buffalo Bills, like 52-17 or something like that. And so in the beginning, it's Jimmy Johnson narrating this. And I'm like, really? They let Jimmy Johnson narrate this entire thing? And Jimmy Johnson's just talking a bunch of shit. He's like, yeah, I knew we were going to kick their ass. And just, just back and forth. And so... I'm I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, the Bills took a seven nothing lead. I didn't remember that. So they were up seven nothing at one point, and then the Cowboys tied it seven seven, and then they shoot a crowd shot about six minutes into the video, or six seven minutes into the video. I see Jack Nicholson wearing a pit hat. I pose the question, and then you know I get a bunch of replies like, you know, hail to motherfucking Pitt, uh, because he's Jack, he's Jack fucking Nicholson, and I'm like, okay, like like uh, that. Those are great things. But I need to find the reason. I was like, okay, 1992 Pitt, were they good? No. 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 They were not. No, they were they not. not. They were not good. They were not good at all. Very bad. 90s Pitt generally 90s not Pitt, good. Very bad. Very bad. Not oh, great. Oh, come on. I love me some 90s Pitt. That's right. That's what you Yeah, I'm sure you do. Right. And this is where we got that Big East love. Like, we love the Big East. So then we go, and we're like, okay, somebody mentions that Jack Nicholson was filming the movie Hoffa. Part of the movie Hoffa was shot in Pittsburgh, which, you know, again, about a, a, a teamster mob boss being shot in, in Pittsburgh. Okay, sure, whatever. Maybe he got the hat there, and he was he just, just basically embraced the pit culture when he was in Pittsburgh. Also, there was, I, I believe, an offensive lineman for the Cowboys by the name of, I think it's Mark Stepnoski, was a pit alum. Also, I think the Bills had a Pitt alum on there. It's either that he got the hat while filming Hoffa or he is a big fan of, of random offensive alignment. Whatever you want, just imagine original Rob Lowe NFL hat is Jack Nicholson at the Super Bowl wearing a Pitt script hat. I do need people to open up the Discord chat real fast. I did drop a recipe from the Dry Bean Council. It's called Bean Nut Butter. It, it is what it is. Jail. Uh, that it, it... Jail. Two cans, of, two cans of beans, one pound of cottage cheese, large curd, oh. two tablespoons mustard, two tablespoons chili sauce, whatever that means, quarter cup onion, quarter cup sweet relish, cup of bacon, a cup of bacon, and cup a, of bacon. a half so teaspoon of pepper, so and, you, and you blend it all together. So, it looks like hummus, but like jail hummus. <laughs> well, you got to, so um, for, for, our, for our Texan friends, we've got to remember that Nebraska is officially part of the Midwest now. Oh. So uh, what chili sauce is, is that's ketchup because that's the sauce you put in chili. <laughs> it's also apparently, according to the Nebraska Dry Bean Commission Facebook page, is National Baked Beans Month. And they did sponsor the open bean division at the Oregon Trail Days Chili Cook-Off. Are you bold enough to bake all the beans? <laughs> Are you a bad enough dude to bake these beans? Oh, hold up, guys. I got a picture for you. What kind of beans are you baking? Garbanzo. Robin, this is in the chat. This is from the same folks in Nebraska Dry Dry Bean Commission. It is an American flag made out of dry beans. (laughs) I stand for the flag, and if you don't like it, we don't care. And I'm proud (laughs) to be an American. This page only has 663 followers, and that is a crime. (laughs) Not after this episode. It's on Facebook, so. These beans don't run. Definitely played Lee Greenwood twice today. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> you just changed the drill image to, to, to Jack Nicholson wearing the pit hat. <laughs> <laughs> I could have Can I derail the podcast very briefly so we Go can appreciate it. off-brand Mexican Buckies? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Bookies. <laughs> bookies. 
Fuck twos. Throw that in there. We can't not talk about off-brand Mexican fucking. The best part is it's in Matamoros, which is right across from Brownsville. It's not like deep in Mexico. It is the border. <laughs> I dropped it in the chat. Supermercado Bucky's. Shout it out. Looks like to, you, he looks like you ran into the door. Yeah. Shout out to whoever did the, the graphics for that. Cause I love, I love whoever did that. He's beautiful. The, so I, the neck looks like feet. Yes. All of it looks like feet, to be honest. This is a strip club. I know a strip club when I see one. It's true. There are no windows. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. I've never been in Bucky's territory, so I've only heard of Bucky's, and I just assumed it was like because I've been to a Sheets. It's so, so much I, bigger I than Sheets. So I was watching this... Jet Lag the game, yeah. and one of the challenges was go to a Bucky's, and they pull in, and I'm just like, "What? Oh yeah, it's very much like, hey, this Sheets ate a Sam's Club." Yeah, I thought so. I thought I was prepared to go to Bucky's by what? having been to Sheets. We went to one. In the one in North Georgia on the way back from Peach Bowl in 2021, I was like, "This is it's going to be like Sheets, but bigger." It's so much bigger. It's like Sheets and a Kmart had a baby. It's palatial. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went to Bucky's with a Sheets exec. That was an experience. Oh, I bet. (laughs) What market research? Fucking, fucking like Alexander weeping because he knows that I was at. So it's the first Bucky's I've ever been in. I was in there for less than a half an hour before like the sheets exec and the regional manager of Bucky's are like having this like incredibly insider trading conversation. I'm like, what alternate reality have I stumbled into? I'm going to go back and look at shirts. Polo shirts? They do. They do have, okay, an all size Bucky's onesies. And I'm thinking that all of us. I would like to read the quote from Bucky's general counsel in the article about oh, the off-brand Mexican I can just Bucky's. assume because they're super fucking litigious, but go ahead. <laughs> we do love us a general counsel. Quote, the Bucky's brand represents clean restrooms, f- freshly prepared food, and great service. Bucky's has invested heavily in innovation across the company to create and maintain these award-winning guest experiences. Accordingly, Bucky's will not stand as an idle spectator while others use without permission the intellectual property that Bucky's has cultivated for decades. I just love that they had to be like, you know what we're known for? Clean bathrooms. I'm surprised they didn't say cheap ice because that's also the other thing they're very much known for. I just dropped the Bucky's onesies in the chat, guys, if you want to see what they look like on people. Oof. Oh, that's amazing. That's the yeah. I, I think I've just spotted the official uniform for SickoCon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Idaho, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into our next part, let's... Yo, these guys are jazzed to be wearing these onesies. Oh, they are. Especially Kid with a Cast. Kid with, I, I missed Kid with a Cast. <laughs> I definitely missed the cast. He's going to have a hard time getting that sleeve off of that cast. It looks like he had a hard time getting the sleeve onto the cast. I want to say a couple things that we are going to promo before we get into our second half. First off, our Patreon is open, as always, for $5 a month. You get to come in and yell at us on Discord. You get to see all the pictures we drop during our podcast episodes. And you get to hear our special podcast episodes, including the second episode of Commission's Corner, where Commission talked about the four glorious ties of the 1991 Central Michigan team, where the coach seemed so exasperated, it's hard to even describe. I, I try to do my my best it was so good uh to describe how distraught he was throughout the the quotes throughout the year and you know if you remember the patreon you can listen to that they're they're pretty short podcasts like maybe like 15 20 minute uh episodes i i, I did one for 1988 iowa uh this one was 1991 central michigan where they they set well they tied the record for most ties in a season and they came dangerously close for setting the record with five ties fun to go over that 
I have another one set up and probably have another episode uh, later this week if you join the Patreon. We also have at our store some new merch, our Sicko's Weather Service. Stickers are out and shirts and mugs. So if you are a meteorologist and a Sickos fan, and there are a lot of you out there, yes. we have merch for that now. They love, so feel free to grab some. They love our weather service stuff. They're like, it's very accurate. <laughs> also, shout out to Message Board Geniuses podcast. They always go to the places that we refuse to go. They were talking about things such as Oregon wanting to be independent. Also things like the food at Michigan. LSU fans absolutely dragging them and Michigan fans saying that's why we're losing recruitment. So if you like that kind of thing and want to hear them talk about their geniuses of the week, go listen to the message board geniuses podcast. They are amazing. Still up is our trans as the, the folks over at transfer portal, no context football have their season preview for 2023 for 10 American dollars. You get a preview of every all 133 FBS teams with interviews of players. And it's absolutely great. Kamish wrote a nice little intro for that. Also, we have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. Just push play on the playlist. Walk away. It's fine. We need the hours. Yeah. <laughs> we also got the sub stack. We have coming up on that. We have previews of our FCS conferences. We'll have our Seacoast Committee Weather Travel and Football Master Almanac Network. Our SCWTFMAN. I have the logo almost ready, by the way, Kamesh. Awesome. It looks like an absinthe bottle logo. Perfect. Yes. It's going to be Perfect. great. And, you know, it's going to be awesome. Uh, the the formerly known as Colonial Athletic Association will be going out on Monday. It's now the Coastal Athletic Association. We got uh, later on this week, I think on Wednesday, I have it set. We have the Ivy League preview along with the OVC Big South Alliance in the FCS, which is weird. There's like conference alliances to get the automatic qualifying bid. So it's fun to go through this stuff. Please enjoy also, this, our least FDA approved content. We also have our promo code for sick, uh, for Homefield Apparel. This week, Homefield Apparel announced that they are refreshing Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. So if you're a Big Ten person from those three schools, you're absolutely set. And more importantly for us, guys, they finally got UTEP. Picks up. Yeah. The preview already looks so good. I'm so excited. I'm going to have to drop some cash on these shirts. I'm so upset that I just did an order. <laughs> oh, I just did an order too. And I'm going to be putting another one in on Tuesday because also there are dad hats. Yeah. And there are dad hats. The Tulane dad hat yeah. actually looks so good. It's, and the pit oh. dad hat and the slippery rock pimp oh, rock the dad hat. Rock one. Oh, pimp rock dad hat yeah. is amazing. If you see, you know, I know, you know, we, we went to New Mexico State and, and, UTEP, and UTEP are like mortal en enemies, but I love both of the schools. I just like love them just hanging out there. I know they're, they're pairs and they just hate each other with a passion, which is fantastic. But yeah, UTEP coming to home field, big, big thing. If you can't use our code either and you still want to help us out, please use the link that we tweet. That still helps us out no matter what you do if you purchase that. So we appreciate it. If you see the link that we tweet, that helps us out uh, and, and helps us bring you more content that you love here. Promo code, by the way, is yes, ha, 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 yes. That's three ha's for 15% off your first purchase at Home Build Apparel. That's 15% like off. It, you sounded like you said 50, but one five. <laughs> one five. five. <laughs> we wish it was 50 off. Jeez. But like he said, if you've already ordered before, use our use our link that we post, and that gives us a little bit of cash too. And now we're on to part 37 of 41 for our best season of all time for teams who are below 500 all time. Osatwap to 500 at y'all. We're going to Manhattan, Kansas. That's right. And we're going to talk about such an interesting season and 
a coach that only coached there for one year and had crossover with another episode we've done. Yeah, there was there was a lot of connections here. I do want to give a shout out to 1910 Kansas State. They finished 10 and 1. I want to give a shout out to 1999 Kansas State, 11 and 2, but they ended on two bummer losses. Basically, in Bill Snyder, for in in Bill Snyder in K State history, you could almost single out the entire era. It's legendary. It's ridiculous, and we love him. And it's very tough. It was very tough to just pick like a Bill Snyder season. I came close to picking 1997 K-State. They were 11-1. and They were the Fiesta Bowl champions. Uh, But their one loss was to Nebraska by 30. And so, (sighs) you know, I didn't go with that one. I went with one that was basically before the time they went into, like, the wilderness, um, before Bill Snyder came to save them. I I picked 1934 Kansas State. This team, they finished 7-2-1. They won the Big Six Conference. It really kind of sticks out to me the most because that is their last conference title until 2003. (laughs) They went 69 years, not nice, between conference titles, 1934-2003. Woof, the greatest depression. Yes. I mean, there, there are only three Kansas State coaches that have ever won conference championships. That's right. And this is one in his only season uh, with Kansas State. So from 1935 to 1992, in the 57 years of this wilderness I'm describing, they only had four winning seasons and two 500 seasons. Basically, one in 10 years, you could hope for them to either be 500 or have a winning season of like six and five. I think their best mark in, in that wilderness time frame was like seven, three, and one. Jesus. So, yes, uh, this is why they're on the list. If Bill Snyder was there the entire time, yeah, they probably wouldn't be on our list. And that's why it's so hard for me to pick a Bill Snyder-era team because, basically, he resurrected the entire program. You know, this is why I went with 1934. From 1928 to 1933, the Wildcats were led by Bo McMillan, who coached the team the six successful seasons, including an 8-2 season in 1931 that nearly earned Kansas State a Rose Bowl berth. But in 1934, he left the coach at Indiana University, and he would ultimately lead the Hoosiers to their only outright conference title, and he was inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1951. You may remember him from the beginning of our series. of the He was the coach of the 1945 Indiana Hoosiers. So we reviewed them in, I believe, our second episode. It was very, it was very B-S-O-A-T-F-T-W-A-B-500-A-T. Previously, yeah, I think the first one was New Mexico State. The second one was Hoosier Autumn, and, and that was 1945 Indiana. They were looking for a coach to take over in Manhattan. Athletic director Mike Ahern turned to the day's hottest young prospect, known by the name of Lynn Pappy Waldorf. Yeah, Pappy. That's right. I'm going to say Pappy a lot. I am. I'm going to say yes. Pappy so fucking much right now. I'm just Hottest gonna... <laughs> young prospect. That's right. Pappy. Pappy. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. He was lured. He was quite a good looking young man. Very. Pappy was very snappy. He was lured away from Oklahoma A&M, now known as Oklahoma State, where he'd gone 34, 10, and 7 and brought three Missouri Valley Conference titles to Stillwater while never losing to in-state rival Oklahoma. Whoa, it's almost like anything can happen in Bedlam. At this time, yes. That's right. He had a winning record against Oklahoma in his years there. So Pappy was a tackle for Syracuse from 1922 to 24. The 250-pound Waldorf 
had been an All-American tackle at Syracuse University and was the largest member of its varsity rowing crew. <laughs> I tried to get a picture of him rowing, but like the, I think it's like the Onondaga or whatever for Syracuse was only, I could only find the 19, like 22 season of him. And I couldn't find him in, in the, on the rowing team in a picture in the yearbook. So I have a picture of Pappy towards the end of his career in the 1950s as a Cal head coach. The picture right next to him right there, that is, is, is Pappy Waldorf. He was the coach that the photo in the yearbook there, the Royal Purple yearbook of Kansas State. I did find his picture with the football team on Syracuse. You can kind of see him. He's on the front row, uh, bottom right, second to right, I believe. Okay. You can kind of see his face there. Uh, he's like two fifty. He's two fifty there. So, but then look at the picture right next to you. So at the time, tall? at the time, right? They it, actually didn't know how to weigh things yet. Maybe. They described something know. like this is probably two hundred and fifty pounds, and they the scale didn't go up that high. It, yeah. it just did the spinning thing over and over again. At the time in the yearbook in 1922, he was known as Wally Maldorf, <laughs> and he was a sensation at tackle. He was usually the first man through the line of opposition. After his playing days in 1925, Pappy was hired as athletic director at Oklahoma City University, which is affiliated with the United Methodist Church. He was able to get a job through his father, a Methodist bishop. Uh, Waldorf became the head coach for football, basketball, and track teams. He was paid 4000 per year. Apparently, that was a substantial salary for that time. Three jobs. Okay. As a coach, Waldorf emphasized the fundamentals of blocking and tackling, as well as each player's involvement in practice. In his three years as the head coach, he was able to turn the one-win and seven-loss Oklahoma City Gold Bugs into Ooh. an eight-win, one-loss, two-tie, and shared the collegiate conference championship. As an athletic director and administrator, Waldorf was successful in funding and construction, constructing sports facilities, as well as generating new income through scheduling games against powerhouse opponents. Uh, he left Oklahoma City in 1927. After leaving the Goldbugs, he served one year as an assistant coach at the University of Kansas, and then he was lured away by Oklahoma A&M a year after. His practice sessions were, were efficient, focusing on the fundamentals of blocking, tackling, and exploding off the line of scrimmage. He developed personal relationships with each player. He knew their names after the first practice. I don't know why Oklahoma State put this in there, but I put that in here too. I guess that was a thing. Uh, guys, bad news. The, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma City University has renamed themselves from the Gold Bugs to the Stars. Oh, no more Gold Bugs. Uh, um, I would also like it to be known that $4,000 in 1925 is only seventy k in 2023 money, which is not nothing, but like for three for jobs. three jobs, that's a lot. As somebody who I worked for the United Methodist Church, them paying you almost nothing to do three jobs tracks. <laughs> uh, he taught a coaching course and he shared encouragement and humor. Like I don't, uh, Pappy is telling you jokes while you you practice. Every, everything I everything I saw about him, the way they talk about coaches back in the day, like he was professor of football. Yeah, and when he ends up getting hired away, he gets hired away as professor of football. Yeah. In return, he expected commitment, hard work, and discipline from his players. Pappy was the coach for Oklahoma State, and he matched their longest winning streak in Bedlam. If you don't remember, Oklahoma leads this series 91-19-7. and Competitive rivalry. Yes. Pappy was 2-0-1 against the Sooners. He never lost. Pappy That's... ain't never lost to Oklahoma. 
crazy. In 1931, in order to deal with the significant financial difficulties brought on by the Great Depression, Waldorf took on responsibilities of the university's athletic director. Previously, Pappy had already brought administrative changes, such as an installation of stadium lights to play night games, as well as holding some games on Fridays. Following 1931, Oklahoma A&M could not maintain its salary and had to decrease it due to the factors of the Great Depression. In 1934, Waldorf left the university to become the new head coach of Kansas State. He brought an assistant coach with him, a former Iowa player and Oklahoma City head coach, Wesley Fry, along with Fry, track coach Ward Haylett, and future basketball coach Owen Chile. Cochrane made up the rest of Waldorf's star-studded staff. There's a picture of him right there. Chili Cochrane's an all-time Chili name. We got to give credit to it. Right. Mm-hmm. It would have been great if he was like three alarm Chili Cochrane or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pappy favored a methodical style of football that stressed the fundamentals, but this was not immediately popular in Manhattan, Kansas. I guess fundamentals were just too boring for the Kansas State fans. They wanted flashy wildcat football. What what the fuck was flashy football in 1934? Passing. I guess. I don't know. But in the newspapers, if you go back at this time, like there was, was it like the uh, razzmatazz or like they would just say like this. We should start saying razzmatazz more again, mm-hmm. guys. I mean, Beware, <laughs> fellows. We have invented student body right. And student body. <laughs> uh, uh, hold on. Student body left, too. <laughs> but, yes, that's Pappy, the head coach. Let me give you some players of note on this 1934 Kansas State team. Uh, the 1934 team was loaded with all-conference talent. Leading the pack was Captain George Maddox, who would become the only only the second player in school history to be named a first-team All-American by the Associated Press. Along with his accolade, Maddox earned a slightly more dubious distinction. He was featured on a box of Wheaties in 1935. Uh, the picture of that is at the bottom of the stock. So if you want to go scroll down for that, uh, oh, okay. uh, Maddox would go on to play for Curly Lambeau's Green Bay Packers. Uh, other stalwarts on the team included halfback Orrin Stoner, who was a consensus all-conference pick, and running guard Gene Sundgren, who received an honorable mention in the AP All-American. Stoner would go on to be a longtime football coach at Field Kinley High School in Coffeyville, Kansas. Sundgren became a successful cattle rancher and ultimately the president of the Kansas Livestock Association. We're going to go to the schedule. Here's the link to the Royal Purple. Uh, it's the yearbook, and it starts at page 186. It should send you right there. Kansas State opened the season with a 13-0 win over the Fort Hayes Teachers College. There, You can see uh, Larry Red Elder scores against uh, Hayes Teachers. I, I love the just... The incredible referees just being in all white. Like, yeah, the, the old look back in the day, yeah. There's there's no stripes or anything like that. Just all white. I actually was able to find uh, that one of the Fort Hayes teacher's players, was was his name was Cocky Sexton. Ah! And apparently that was their only threat. So Cocky Sexton was the only threat for Fort Hayes teachers, and he didn't he didn't score. Don't be a nickname. Don't be a nickname. Don't be a nickname. Pit girl, are you okay? It looked like you were dying. You're muted. <laughs> no, I just said you're kidding. <laughs> nope. It's Cocky Hayes. Cocky. Next thing we know, we're going to find out he's from Blue Ball. Could be. I don't know if you want to search the, the name Cocky Sexton. I was going to say, I'm about to do the world's most risky Google search. <laughs> so. K-State kind of dominated this game. Uh, they had 17 first downs. They they rushed the ball for 252 yards. Fort Hayes only had 65. Nobody really fumbled the ball or anything like that. 
a good win for the Pappy Waldorf era. The next game, the boys from Manhattan, Kansas, went to New York to play the boys at Manhattan College. Love Concrete that. jungle, wet dream tomato. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 folks. Uh, Talbert Cocky Sexton. No, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. Oh, is, the wrong, oh damn. There was another Cocky Sexton. There's looking, multiple looking, Floyd, We need Floyd Williams Sexton. So there are, why are there two cocky sextons? I don't know, but I found the first one first, but that wasn't him. No, yeah, there's two cocky sextons. If the, cocky the real sext- cocky, the cocky sexton, sexton, please stand up. There's probably a third that was in them running for the uh, rename of the South Carolina mascot last right. year. But So they went to Manhattan and they played the game at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn. So they played Central against I think Manhattan in Brooklyn, which was... The Giants played there, I yes. guess. That was a baseball That's field. Right. It was a baseball field, which, you know, the picture in the yearbook just says, that muddy Manhattan game. And if you could look at a picture from 1936 to tell you how muddy it was, my God, Jesus how muddy. <laughs> They're just covered in mud. And Yeah, it makes Heinz Field in November look good. That's also a hell of a trip for the 40s, Kansas State to Manhattan, just yeah. for... And can I maybe suggest that this is just for a bit like is this the miami versus miami game of the time manhattan versus manhattan yep the little apple goes to the big apple sure we attempting to amtrak this please hold i want to believe that this was something like they thought they had scheduled a home game and didn't realize until the last thing like oh <laughs> no k-state and manhattan battled to a 13-13 deadlock in an exciting intersectional mud contest at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, New York. A rain which began the day before and continued through the first half of the game made good football impossible. Uh, <laughs> and the afternoon developed into a melee of fumbles and block kicks. Warren scored for Kansas State early in the first quarter, but Manhattan even matters soon after in the second period. And then a few minutes later, they took the lead 13-7 after blocking a punt. Kansas State tied the score in the third quarter, but could only advance the ball to the Manhattan three-yard line during the rest of the game. First down in yards gained from scrimmage favored the Wildcats. So it was a tie, but it was a mud bowl. And if you look at the back, the ref, like the bottom half covered in mud. Oh, yeah. This is like Meanwhile in Passchendaele. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I love his hat, too. Like the ref hat. The next game, they play their first ever night game. And they're playing the Marquette I'm sorry, Marquette's nickname at the time was called the Hilltoppers. What? Yes. Okay. That's right. I don't know if there's another Marquette Hilltopper, because I tried to look it up, and I believe this is the one based out of Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's another Marquette. There may be a Marquette in Michigan, but but that's like in the the Upper Peninsula. I, I couldn't figure out which Marquette this was. I'm assuming it's the one that we know that plays basketball now in the Big East. Uh, oh, Marquette! You had a cool name for a while. Yeah, they were the Marquette. No, they no, they were the Golden Avalanche at this point. Yeah, okay. were right. they? In the yearbook, yes. it says okay. they were the Hilltoppers, but oh, uh, weird. Okay. It's strange. But Kansas State's first ever night oh, game. So the football team was known as the Golden Avalanche through 1960. Other teams that they had were known as the Warriors, the Blue and Gold, or the Hilltoppers. Wow. So many nicknames. Hey, we're just not choosing. Okay. All right, Marquette, and then they finally settled on the Golden Eagles. Come on. You had so many other choices, Marquette. Come on now. They were down 27 nothing in the first half to this one. And then Kansas, Wait, Kansas, State, Kansas State was down? Yes. Kansas State down oh. 27 nothing. But the Wildcats basically was cramped, making, again, a lot of fumbles. 
which may be a theme throughout the season, that, that led to touchdowns for the Hilltoppers, which is said in the yearbook. The first Kansas State score came by a result of a 56-yard run by Armstrong, who later scored the second counter, and then Elder scored another one. They had a furious rally, but they fell short, so they lost the game 27-20 after spotting Marquette 27 points in the first half. They have fell to 2-2-1 two, two, and one at this time. They're two, two, and one. I'm sorry. They're, uh, I'm sorry. They're one, one, and one. I apologize for that. Yeah, one, one, one. Yep. The next game is the Sunflower Showdown. It is Kansas versus Kansas State. So back in the time, this is a huge game. You can see the, the picture there, the action in the Jayhawk Wildcat battle. I'm going to give a shout out to the SB Nation blog, Bring on the Cats. They wrote a pretty good article about this in 2014. I borrowed a lot from it. So the fans were understandably nervous about the homecoming game against Kansas and a smaller than expected crowd uh, of about 11,000 attended the game. School officials were disappointed by the turnout and blamed radio broadcasting <laughs> for the lower turnout. So they didn't blame the students this time. They said that fancy radio is keeping folks at home. Mm-hmm. You, you know, know, if we didn't broadcast it in HD radio, kids would get off the couch and come to the game. The SB Nation blog says the game itself was nearly as disappointing as the poor attendance. I completely disagree with the statement. Kansas State fumbled the ball eight times. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Including four times inside their own 20. Oh, no. Another late fumble, this time deep in Kansas territory, cost the Wildcats a sheer touchdown. But... The defense was stout that day, and the Jayhawks never managed to get on the board. So think about this. They fumbled the ball four times inside their own 20, and they still stopped Kansas from scoring at all. This is the, like, would you like the ball? No, I couldn't possibly, of games. The Jayhawks' only sustained drive of the game ended when Kansas quarterback Bob White threw an interception that Maurice Red Elder, I think I said his name wrong, it's actually Maurice Red Elder, a fullback who played both ways, ran back 70 yards with the help of excellent blocking for a 7-0 lead early in the second half. Led by Maurice Red Elder and Leo Ayers, flashy Kansas State sophomore backs, the Wildcats beat their arch rivals from Lawrence 13-0, at the same time broke a jinx of eight years standing. This victory being the first that either of the teams has won at home in that length of time. It was a second-half awakening of the Wildcats that sent the Jayhawks' feathers flying. The first score came when White, Kansas, the Kansas back passed into the hands of Elder, who ran 75 yards behind perfect interference for a touchdown. Stoner's kick for point was good early in the fourth. Kansas State took the ball on their own 40-yard line, and in eight plays, Ayers scored from the 11. A fumble cost the Wildcats another counter just before the end of the game. Damn it. (laughs) Eight fumbles. So... It was one of the sloppiest contests in the series, and Pappy Waldorf would go on to say, this was the only game that eight fumbles couldn't lose. (laughs) That's some Steve Spurrier shit. The eight straight years of the visiting team winning is another (laughs) record that's worth looking into. It just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just a crazy series, the Sunflower Showdown. After the game, there was some craziness that happened. So if the crowd had been less than enthusiastic before the game, they more than made up for it afterwards. Soon after the game, a rumor began to spread that classes were going to be canceled on Monday in celebration. (laughs) (laughs) The school authorities made it very clear that this was not true and that this Monday holiday was entirely illegal. Undeterred groups of students formed pickets 
to block various entrances all over campus. A on wildcat Monday. strike. A, a literal wildcat strike. <laughs> and effectively prevented students from attending classes. This horizontal strike, well, no, 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 this wildcat strike, uh, which included street dancing on the corner of 15th and Laramie and protest marches on points, finally wound down when a not entirely disapproving Mike Ahern turned the crowds away at the Wareham Opera and told the students to go back to class. Not all students were in favor of the Monday holiday. The Collegian Sports Eye, Dan Partner, was fairly disgusted by the whole idea. Someone's always a fucking buzzkill in this. <laughs> what are you doing, Dan? You go into class, scab? Mm-hmm. That's right. Scabby the Rat showing up. <laughs> he, he wrote... Whatever, Scabby the Rat, looking in 34. It was just a bunch of... Just a, it's a costume of 400 rat, rat carcasses. <laughs> so he wrote this. said, Kansas State beats Kansas 13-0, and there is no school on Monday. Why the high compliment to KU? It's going to be a habit at Kansas State. And such a celebration seems unnecessary. If it's a one-day holiday for beating an ordinary opponent, what will it be if Nebraska is licked? And what happened the next 70 years of Kansas State football? Fucking celebrate your wins because you might have 70 years of losses. Mm -hmm. Yes. This also has very, like, unrivaled energy, and I hate that. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder, wonder what Dan Partner was thinking when it was like 1970. Because like in Kansas State, it has only had like four winning seasons since 1934. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he's thinking. I feel like I feel like he would have grown up to be like the guy who posted an op-ed, uh, the Pitt News alumnus who posted an op-ed after Pitt lost to Penn State 51-6 in 2018. That was like, we should drop to D3. Football is over. <laughs> I'm imagining him like the dude in the Twilight Zone who broke his glasses and is like, no, but there was time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next week after this, they went to play Tulsa. And guess what? They just kept fumbling. They lost to Tulsa 21-0. Fumbles were the downfall of the Wildcats when the Golden Hurricanes of Tulsa University scored three touchdown victory before 12,000 homecoming spectators in Skelly Field. The men of gloomy Gus Henderson scored in each of the first three quarters. <laughs> That's right. The head coach's nickname was Gloomy Guts. And we're nearing the goal line when the game ended. The victory was featured by spectacular running by by Smartfield, Hedwig, Barry, and Dennis starred for Tulsa, while Stoner aided the Wildcats with spectacular kicking. Every newspaper article I could find, I was trying to figure out how many times Kansas State fumbled. I could not get the fumble amount. Uh, so it said Kansas State was troubled with the fumbling malady. Malady. Uh, malady, right? Milady. 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 The fumbling Milady. The fumbling Milady. That's up there with mobile. Okay. Uh, Malady. I've never heard that word. Said all that. It happens. Like, there's so many times I've come across the same thing. Yo, I get that. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a real pronunciation Chemileon. (laughs) Milady. Malady? That doesn't make sense. Come, Milady. Come, come, Milady. It's Malady. It's Malady. baby. Oh no. Come, a pretty lady. <laughs> Be careful. You don't want to get us like content blocked by saying. But a flat in her ass and then okay. I can uh, It's vexed the purple followers. Thus far this season, the Wildcat offense in other games this season made sturdy comebacks in the final half, failed to get underway effectively. So I found a box score, and it only looked like they lost two fumbles, but that doesn't seem right if they just keep saying it was just fumbles everywhere. They lost 21 nothing. They fell to 2-2-1. Two, two, uh, they took on rival Washburn next. Kansas State 
14, Washburn 6. One of the oldest rivalries in history of Kansas State was revived after a lapse of three years when the Wildcats met the Washburn Ichabods in a night game at Topeka. The game starred as a started as a route for the Wildcats, the first score coming early in the first quarter. But throughout the rest of the game, Kansas State could push over, could only push over one more counter. Although they carried the ball all over the field, despite the loss of Griffin, regular center, the Wildcat offense clicked merrily, and with o- Oren Stoner as the chief ball carrier, Kansas State looked like champions, which they won 14-6. I couldn't find too much newspaper action for this one. So we'll go on to the next game. On to Mizzou. And here's a picture in the yearbook. It says, action in the Missouri game. With bands from various Kansas high schools as guests in gay array, Kansas State overwhelmed the Tigers from Missouri 29-0. While the score indicates a big advantage for the Wildcats, the summary shows the thoroughness with which the men of Coach Wardorf whipped the Tiger. Kansas State (laughs) made 21 first downs to three for Mizzou and traveled 452 net yards from scrimmage as compared to 63 for the word I'm not going to say it right because I'm just going to call it Milady again. Mm-hmm. Or, that's right. The Caridamon? Sure. Whatever. Led by Leo Ayers, fleet sophomore quarterback, the Wildcats carried the ball from one end of the field to the other and kept Missouri's goal line in constant danger. So they won that one 29 nothing. Moving on to the next game. They faced those pesky Oklahoma Sooners that Pappy Waldorf has never Never lost to the Oklahoma Sooners. Never lost. Never lost. I ain't never lost to the Sooners. My name is Pepe. So the yearbook said, a single point, one of the two awarded as a result of a safety in the second period, provided the margin of victory for the Wildcats over the Oklahoma Sooners in their annual battle for gridiron supremacy. It was Red Elder, big sophomore fullback, that bore the brunt of the attack with his ball carrying combined with the brilliant work of the Kansas State line proved too much for the men of Lewis Hardage. The Sooners scored first early in the second period, and the halftime score read 7-2. With the Wildcats awarded a safety when Gentry's Sooner tackle was tackled behind his own goal line when attempting to kick, Armstrong made the Kansas State touchdown around right end in the third period, and they won the game 8-7. I am so happy to see that the idea that you cannot desc- you can't describe a fullback without saying that they are big goes back to at least the 30s. <laughs> that has bothered me on broadcasts for years of like, you can't just say it's a fullback. Nope, nope, nope. It's a big fullback. Like, nope, it's not the small puny fullback. It's a big one. <laughs> I do like the idea of like a teacup fullback. <laughs> <laughs> a miniature fullback. Like, Someone can put in your purse. Can, yeah. can, can we just get like Kansas State's Darren Sproles as a fullback? Is that, is that what you want? It's travel-sized for your convenience. That's right. <laughs> Can't be more than... I do, I do want to say about, about the Tulsa game, the Manhattan Mercury newspaper has a great headline, Hurricane Too Stiff a Breeze. Up next, the Wildcats face the Iowa State Cyclones, displaying a passing attack that Iowa State could do nothing about. The Wildcats cleared the last hurdle in their way to meet Nebraska for the conference championship. A long heave from halfback Stoner to end Freeland resulted in a touchdown. Another pass, Stoner to Churchill, placed the ball on the one-yard line where Elder plunged it over for the second score. Wildcat Reserves made the third touchdown against the wind after a long, sustained drive. 
And then here's I lo- you actually you keep saying Stoner, record. and I keep laughing. I know it's funny. His name is Oren Stoner. So if you look at the picture here, the referee has like mismatched shirts. So this is the oh, first huh. one that I see. The ref he has a striped top, but then all white pants. I think this was right around yeah, the time I they started standardizing. Wanted this. to appreciate that. <laughs> it looks like what I would wear to the club. <laughs> white pants to the club, huh? White Bold. pants to the club. So that is a bold move. I want to set this up for you. Nebraska. The Iowa State helmets just all look like they're wearing headbands. Yeah, they really do. Oh, that's weird. That's a that's a good look. That is the first striped ref shirt we've seen. Because looking back at the other ones, yep. there's someone has explained to me when they started adding stripes a shirt, and I can't remember what it was. When it was, it was one of the. It was probably football football archaeology because. They explain everything to me. I want to set this game up for you. It's the final game of the season. Nebraska is undefeated in the Big Six. Kansas State undefeated in the Big Six. So this one is for all the marbles. Kansas State is 6-2-1. At the time, Nebraska is 6-2. So this is basically for it. Nebraska had been the Big Six champions for three straight years, 31, 32, and 33. And so it's all coming down to this last game of the season. Everything riding. And Pappy Waldorf is very confident here. On the road in Lincoln, Nebraska. So it's not even a home game. The yearbook goes on to say, after wearing the Big Six crown for three years, the Nebraska Cornhucker. Oh, Jesus Christ. The Nebraska Cornhuckers. <laughs> the Cornhuckers. The Cornhuckers. The corn uh, yes. The Beansuckers, The Nebraska Beansuckers. Met defeat at the fight insist bunch of Wildcats that ever wore the purple of Kansas State. Led Ema. I love Kevin's wearing the Ema shirt in honor of this episode. Uh, <laughs> led by Orange Stoner, Wildcat triple threat star, playing his last game of intercollegiate football. The men of, uh, it says Lynn Waldorf, but the, the men of Pappy Waldorf beat the <laughs> champions 19-7 before a Thanksgiving Day crowd of 22,000 fans in Lincoln Memorial Stadium. The game started as a walk away for the Cornhuskers. Fans wondered how Kansas State had beaten four other conference teams and why they were rated even with Nebraska. For the Huskers went up and down the field at will, opening large jagged holes at their backs and had little trouble going through. But despite this, they only scored one touchdown. The second half, the 22,000 saw a beaten Kansas State team turn into a purple powerhouse. The jagged holes began appearing in the Husker line, and as a result... There's lots of jagged holes in this we're game. We're talking about lose. jagged holes. We're talking about jagged little pills. We're talking about jagged edge and where the party at. And as a result, Elder scored the first Wildcat touchdown standing up from the nine-yard line. Later in the first, the fourth quarter, Orrin Stoner skirted left end for the second score. And still later... Only a few minutes, the same stoner skirted the same end for another touchdown. Kansas State 19, and Nebraska still had her stadium. So we, I, this does beg the question. We need to ask, what was the guy's name? We need to ask Dan Partner, what what it, what does happen when Nebraska gets licked? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, important question. Know. Jordan has some of that information. Kamish asked me to see if I could find like whatever the aftermath was of this game. The interesting things about it were, first off, it turns out that to watch this game, they had the telegrid. And they did this a couple times at, at Kansas State, where for 25 cents, you'd go into the auditorium and you just get telegrams coming in. 
Like they would run telegrams to like the local telegraphist and they just run it and announce it in the auditorium. Analog Twitter? Yes. <laughs> Newspaper newspapers were Facebook and this was analog Twitter. This what ended up happening was apparently Kansas State fans started to rush the field in Nebraska. And they kept them off the field, but then they went to a place called, let me find it here. It was called the Cornhusker Hotel. Hotel Cornhusker. My bad. Gonna drop history. Welcome to. Yeah, drop history. It's a lovely place. You can check in, but you can never leave. In the chat is Hotel Cornhusker. And apparently, Kansas State fans went back to Hotel Cornhusker and started things. I'll quote here. A large number of Kansas State alumni evidently attended the game, in addition to those who went on the train from Manhattan, according to those who were in Lincoln yesterday. The Wildcat supporters jumped up everywhere in Nebraska sections as well as their own when the touchdown that tied and won the game were chalked up. An impromptu pep meeting was held at the Hotel Cornhusker after the game, and there were minor celebrations everywhere, according to those who saw the game, but there was no rough stuff anywhere. So they didn't start stacking barrels of gunpowder on their own field like Iowa State did? They didn't do that, no. I guess they're not really living it up at the Hotel Cornhusker then. The Hotel hotel Bean Soaker. Sounds more sinister. And when they got back home on the train, there were about 3,000 people there waiting for them in in Manhattan. Uh, A quote here. An excited, happy crowd estimated at 3,000, including men, women, and children, just like Anakin Skywalker's crowd, Turned out to welcome Kansas State's first Big Six champion. I can't. I can never see that without hearing the women and the children. Kansas State's first Big Six championship football team back to Manhattan last night with an enthusiasm that melted the driving snow and chased away the shadows of the near midnight hour. Even a stray gray kitten was there, mewing a lusty welcome for the heroes. That's the Kansas State Wildcat. There she is. Football cat. Football cat. Cars packed streets for several blocks around Union Pacific Station, and the crowd filled the station and the brick platform around it overflowing onto the tracks. Excited boys raced along the tops of boxcars standing beside the tracks as they heard the train approaching. Also, the was a victory present for the for Mr. Aaron, who's the athletic director at Kansas State, who celebrated his 56th birthday. Also, Mrs. Waldorf said she was happy. Never more thrilled in my life. Never more thrilled. Happy. Finally put the thrill in his wife. So, after beating Nebraska. so It was a clean, hard game, Mr. Aaron said, the AD said last night, adding he was glad to see the team had won on straight football after attempts to pass the ball had been futile. So we were right. That's what that's what they mean by no, flashing None of that football. fancy shit. We're going to get back so to hard-nosed football. That was there. So, sure, so, so surely, Kamish, this started a a renaissance of Kansas State football. Um, Yeah, no. Hmm. Uh, Pappy actually left the year after this, which you can see. And, 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 where, did, and where did he go he to? He went to Northwestern. Wildcats. Pappy Waldorf went to Northwestern and he, he previously held the Northwestern all time wins until it was taken over by that, that, that coach that just got fired. It's just purple cats all the way down. That's right. I believe Pappy has the, uh, it might not be exactly right, but I think he's something along the lines of like the highest winning percentage Northwestern of history. any Northwestern head yeah. coach. I think he has the highest percentage. Yeah, uh, I believe he does. Uh, besides no coach. But, um, you know, I really... <laughs> Respect no coach. Respect no coach. Which we're, we're trying to compile that, by the way. Like, if we can find all the records of no coach for everybody's team. Pappy left. He went to Northwestern. Basically, they hired him for one year, and he got the Big Six title, and then he went to Northwestern. One of his assistant coaches uh, took over. I believe it was Fry that took over. And um, 
he led them to like you know respectability but then he left after like three years and then that's when they entered the the wilderness like he had two somewhat successful seasons above 500 and then the k-state wilderness just took place after that which was really just like 20 years of wilderness and then they had a random pop-up of like two years about seven three and one and then just nothing until like bill snyder took him over in like 89 an amazing history here and then i have the pictures down there you can see the team the 1934 team the big six champions uh you see the kansas state tackle george maddox on the wheaties box like, this is not a Wheaties box that I expected. And I love seeing on the Wheaties box itself, it says ready to eat. Like, you had to prepare the Wheaties. <laughs> I guess because, like, at that point, cereal was, like, oatmeal and shit. So, yeah. like, cream of wheat. So, you had to prep it. You had to, like, prep stuff. So, this one was just, like, just just, just pour it in a bowl and put some milk on it. Wheaties reminds you that the breakfast of champions is Wheaties with plenty of milk or cream and some kind of fruit. Don't care. It, put cream and tomato. <laughs> It's just heavy cream, tomato, and Wheaties. Wheaties but- gazpacho. Uh, so, Kimish, I love the I love the images you got of the individual football players that look like paper dolls. Yeah, it, the 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 yearbook had them all set up in there like that, and I just copied and pasted every single player on there. So good, and it looks like they just copied and pasted in the yearbook. One thing that I believe- before we get there, oh. uh, b- before we go through the. Uh- the individual players there. I'm looking at this team photo and the person front left in it, it, reading the names, they don't have first names on this, but front left, first row, last name is partner. So do you think that's our man, Dan partner? Oh, I don't know. Evil complaining about celebrating being in Kansas was the first ever recorded instance of like, all this motivational tactic nonsense that you know, mm. people making up media members who think that Georgia's going to lose five games or whatever. So they're going well, seven five. Complaining like, about beating Kansas was an inside job. Or is this one yes, of those exactly. situations where like, you know, like when is it going to be Dan's turn? Because right now everything goes to Dan's shithead brother. Like when is Dan's day? Yeah. So this, uh, this is like Louie partner here and Dan's just insanely jealous. Yeah. <laughs> He's just Dan. I, I do want to say one more thing about Pappy leaving. He made it very clear. It was just sort of like, this is just a better job, which again, thinking the Northwestern job is like a step up, but back then it definitely was. And he did get about $8,000 at Northwestern compared to 5,000 at Kansas State. Line go up. That's some big money Line for Pappy. His assistant, by the way, that took over was Wesley L. Fry, nicknamed Plowboy. Plowboy Fry? Yeah, Plowboy Fry. And so apparently he was going to go to Northwestern too, but something stopped him. And it was because the Big Ten said that your coach can't have played professional football. That's so Big Ten. And, and. That's the most Big Ten shit I've ever heard. And Fry played professional football. And so he was not allowed to coach the Big Ten. And I know where that was because I looked him up earlier to make sure he wasn't related to Hayden Fry because I did see somewhere in there that he also eventually went to Iowa. And I was like, eh, is there a connection there? And there is not. They're not related. But And of course, by the way, Happy Fry definitely said like a week before Dick Northwestern job that he loved Manhattan and wanted to retire there. Because of course, because everyone says that. Yeah, after a year, I'm leaving after a year, but I really wanted to retire here. He he said he likes Manhattan better than any other town in which he's lived. At the football banquet, and since then, Waldorf has stuck firmly to this statement and has no plans to move. Last night, he said he made no plans other than to stay here until late last week, 
after a phone call conversation with Tug Wilson, the athletic, <laughs> the athletic director at Northwestern. He got I'm going to stay here forever until someone asks me to leave. <laughs> so there was a gift that was supposedly given to the players that won the Big Six championship. They were supposed to get some gold footballs. Uh, yes. The gold footballs for the lettermen of the championship team uh, will be proposed to the Athletic Council by Director Ahern. He said last night, Secretary Harry Bach promised uh, the biggest party Manhattan has ever put on when the Chamber of Commerce stages its annual football banquet December 11th for members of the high school and college teams. Shucks, yeah, said ML Red Elder. I, that's what is it? Shit, yeah. But uh, just like, what is Shucks. it? Shucks. Garsh. Garsh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but one of the many heroes of the game when asked last night if he got a thrill from it, Coach Lynn Pappy Waldorf, face wreathed in smiles, commented he'd never seen a prettier play than Elder's nine-yard run for a touchdown standing up. But for the most part, the crowd was returning from the game, was completely speechless. A tired grin was a sufficient answer for any and all questions about the game. I could not find these gold footballs. Were you able to find any of these? No. no. I, I, I dug for okay. it. I couldn't find no pictures of these. Right. Like, they're supposed to go in their letterman jackets, like or letterman sweaters, okay. like, a, like a thing, a patch. I, I couldn't find any. Couldn't find it either. So I, if anybody listening to this podcast is a big K-State fan, if you can find the gold footballs, please, please let us know. We want to check it out. If you look down on the dock, we have like all of the cut and paste photos of every single player on the team. It says guard partner, which I, I love the, the, now I'm going to believe it's an inside job that he's writing. He's kind of like Clark Kent partner. And he's just basically, <laughs> he's the one feeding the stuff to the team. Like he's really not doing too much, but he's writing the article saying that nobody believes in us. And this is next level. If that's the actual truth that happened, I want to say the halfback stoner is like running full speed here in the picture right in the middle there like he's just yeah. like full bore heading at you uh he's trucking. he is trucking like for real i'm trying to figure out where the one uh red where's red at elder he's uh top elder. left in the first picture top left first picture but yeah i mean he looks like he's a load to bring down like a fullback just incredible like i don't i don't think i can tackle him back in 1934 i, I really couldn't tackle no him i wouldn't want anyway. to i wouldn't want to mess with him he looks mean that is an amazing Kansas State team. Yeah, I think that's what we get for them. We have just a couple more teams to go, and we're heading into the season. We'll probably be doing some, I guess, some season previews, which we have no idea how we're going to do them. We'll make up some acronym. Well, we yeah. already kind of have the acronym. We just got to do the previews, I guess, and, and how we're going to do it in podcast form. <laughs> we'll figure that SEO out. SEO is our passion. It doing is. everything else. Yeah. The cool thing about that is that Next time we talk to you guys, we'll be in August. The season's here. That's kind of terrifying. Oh. Implying linear time is real. That's right. 